0: To the NFL Welcome to the NFL rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Dynasty Warzone. That's right, the DWZ's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your all the social medias at Salad Galore, that is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L galore. It is great to be here with you folks in the thick of rookie season as we have been now for going on about three and a half weeks since the NFL rookie draft at the time of listening, um, most likely for all of you right now. And we're starting to see ADP kind of settle out a little bit. in in these early ADP areas, um, this is where you start. Start to really find value before we get to training camps, before we get to off-season reports, before some of these bigger named guys that are still floating around start to sign places. Um, there are a lot of values to be had in both the later rounds, so I will classify that as round four slash five of rookie drafts. If you do have five rounds, most don't anymore. It's pretty standard to go to four, as well as UDFA's. Um, so today's episode, I will be doing kind of a dive into guys that. I classify as penny stocks. So these are going to be seven players across all four positions of note in normal standard superflex fantasy, the quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end position that I believe their ADP currently should be exploited and should be taken in those later rounds. And these are the guys in those later rounds that I would be taking ahead of some of the people that are, you know, truly being drafted right now as uh, flyers. These are guys with, immediate impact in year one on their teams, that their value will be higher at this point next year than what it is right now. And that is my own personal opinion. Um, Sound like a sales broker for you right now. It's a reason because the entire point of this episode is convincing you why these seven players Are penny stocks at their current value, at their current ADP, and why you should be acquiring them either as UDFAs to stash on your taxi squad or to really make sure that you don't have to blow any type of uh, priority on the waiver wire or any of your off-season FAAB budget. Um, Might want to take with those fourth-round picks in your rookie drafts just to be sure that you have them for their inevitable breakup. Um, without further ado, we'll just go ahead and dive in to talk about it. Actually, no, um, a couple of recaps. If you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, I've been doing primarily episodes related to ADP. Um, this will be the last episode on ADP specifically. I'm going to be diving more into players over the next couple of weeks, and then I'll start into my true off-season grind in June, where I start doing my Oklahoma drills um, analysis of prospects of the same positions the same archetypes in said positions, that type of analysis. So um, this is my last ADP episode, but because we're still in those early rookie drafts, those long, slow drafts are still kind of wrapping up right now. Um, I figured to get out an episode right now that would help both the people in the early drafting period and the people towards the later, Um, just in case ADP starts to fluctuate a little bit. um, There are a couple of guys, uh, most notably I've talked about him in the last two episodes, Sean Tucker's ADP based off of his landing spot, even as a UDFA was not really making sense over the first two weeks following the NFL draft for his ADP. That is completely right at the ship right now. Um, He's being actually overdrafted a little bit. In my opinion, he's going right now as rookie number 27. So the third pick in the third round right now, uh, that's, kind of where I would start to think about taking him, to be honest. But the fact that that is his ADP average right now kind of surprised me when I was doing the research for this show. But I digress a little bit. Um, Let's just go ahead and jump in, guys. There's only one quarterback of note really on this list um, that, based off of his ADP, is not really making sense. Um, You know my love for Jay Kaner. You know my love for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Those two landing spots for them, not – any chance of immediate startership. So that's really just a stash play. If you like those guys like I do, and I have the quarterbacks to match up with him. I.e. if I had a Deshaun Watson and had a fifth round or a spot on my taxi squad for a quarterback, I'd be taking Dorian Thompson Robinson. Same thing for Jake Hayner. If I had Derek Carr. Um, But the guy of note right now is a guy that realistically is going to start some games in 2023. And it is pretty hard to tank your value as a dynasty aspect specific uh, asset specifically in super flex at the quarterback position unless you just are horrible and i mean horrible um we saw bad play last year from a guy like malik willis in tennessee and people still were kind of holding on to him before the will levis pick this year um it's clayton toon he's in arizona right now um clayton toon was drafted in the fifth round, pick 155 to the Arizona Cardinals, um, knowing full well that Kyler Murray is out until realistically November. Um, he may try to rush back, but I highly doubt that is the case in how they want to handle it. Um, if he gets hurt again, his trade value is absolutely tanked. Um, their long-term outlook with him is pretty much tanked if he gets hurt again. So I'm pretty sure they're just going to take the time. He may not play at all in 2023 because I don't see this team competing. But the fact that Kyler is out, there is only one person standing in the way of Clayton toom being the starter on the Arizona Cardinals with, at this time, DeAndre Hopkins – Marquise Brown and incoming rookie, Michael Wilson. And that's Colt McCoy. Now Colt McCoy has been serviceable. He has a very long career, but he is not electric. He is not great. Um, I I would say he's not good, to be honest with you. And the fact that Colt McCoy is the only stopgap from Clayton Toon hitting the field is something that people should be salivating on um the fact is that Clayton Toon's the rookie they're not looking to win this year with Kyler out they want to do as bad as possible um, if they can do as bad as possible at the same time as taking note and taking stock in what they have at the quarterback position with their fifth round rookie that they took a flyer on that makes a lot more sense than rolling out quarterback realistically when you um, rookie upside over the vet, like I was saying, that's really what you're looking for. But then you start to kind of dive into what Clayton Toon was as a prospect. And that's part of what i want to do today is a lot of the names that I'm bringing up are people that weren't talked about as high round picks and they didn't go as high round picks. They went as mid to late round picks, but Clayton Toon's a guy where it's kind of hard to ignore what he did in college. Uh, in college, he was an absolute monster. Um, he, he set Records. Um, he was right up there with Chase Daniels and the University of Houston when it comes to records um, Threw for just over 11,000 total yards. Um, he threw for just over 90 touchdowns total in his career, not to mention that rushing wise, he had over 27 as well. Four year starter at Houston. Um, just really solid, really prolific career. And he's a guy where you look at him and you're like, okay, well, what are we looking at with the rest of his profile? He's the number two quarterback. From an athleticism score basis based off a of player profiler. You can find it at www.playerprofile.com. Um, he is the second ranked quarterback in this class when it comes to athleticism, above all the other ones, just behind Anthony Richardson. Um, the all time rank at the quarterback position, he is 25th in athleticism. So he's sneakily athletic not to mention the fact that he's sitting right around six foot four inches 220 pounds prototypical size absolutely canon of an arm and he's one of the quickest processors of this class the main issue is that he played at houston but guess what him and tank dell have been destroying for the houston team for the last three to four years so he's a guy that i have a lot of you know a lot of hope for this year. I have him on a lot of teams because I've been able to acquire him free on waiver wires. Currently he is going ADP 68 overall in this rookie class, meaning that he would be after the fifth round of your rookie drafts. Um, He's going as the eighth player taken after rookie drafts are completed. And as QB 11, there are not 11 quarterbacks with a chance to have a higher ADP than what they went into this year's, post draft period slash offseason drafting period with and Clayton Toon should be at the top of your list out of pretty much any of the prospects that I'm going to talk about tonight he should be the guy that you should be adding to your teams or should be drafting if you're concerned about someone taking him especially as a contender in a super flex league at the back end of the fourth makes a lot of sense to take a guy like Clayton Toon Going on in the next position, um, I would love to talk about Sean Tucker, but as I said, that has uh, that ship has sailed. People have officially hopped on, and so I'm glad. If you listened to the previous two weeks' worth of content, hopefully you were able to snag him prior to his ADP skyrocketing. But there is another running back that is being criminally devalued as a penny stock right now, and a guy that could come in and immediately see 150-plus touches on his team at the running back position that no one's talking about. And that's Deuce Vaughn out of the University of Kansas State, uh, my alma mater. It's a fun one. Currently, he is going as the 36th pick in the NFL draft. So he is going at the 312 right now in rookie drafts as RB14. When you're looking at Deuce Vaughn's overall outlook for this season, right now he is competing with Tony Pollard and Ronald Jones. Does anyone think that Ronald Jones is going to get more snaps and more work than a guy like Deuce Vaughn? absolutely not. We need to start to take into account everything that happened. His father is the lead scout for the Dallas Cowboys. um, A lot of pull in that organization as of right now. Uh, Plus, you start to look at the fact that Pollard's injury concerns, who's the only person that should be taking the lion shares of the running back touches right now on that roster, are serious. People still don't really know what's going on with Tony Pollard's leg. It was a high ankle injury is how it was posed, as well as a full break of his fibula in his leg. Um, It's something that if it wasn't a serious ligament issue should be something that he could pounce back from pretty quickly, but there's a lot of conflicting reports about whether or not he's going to be ready for camp or not right now. As well as what his early season outlook is going to look. Um, this is a team that could be dangerous when it comes to a trade market for a Dalvin Cook. Um, this is the landing spot that makes the most sense for me for a guy like Dalvin Cook, but as well as Zeke Elliott returning, Leonard Fournette coming back, and Eckler were to get cut, him coming here. There's a lot of question marks at the running back position when it comes to the big name free agents that are out there still. And so when I'm looking at this, this is a little dangerous, but you're going as the 36th pick. There's not 13 running backs that are better than him in this class. And when you start. To look at his overall just RB outlook compared to the class. Like I said, he's probably one of three to four running backs in this class that you could realistically project for 150 plus touches as an RB2. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys offense as a whole, their RB2 has seen 150 plus touches in every year since 2019. Um, it, it's consistent. It's what happens. They like to split the load. They did it with Pollard. They did it with Zeke. Um, they're loyal to their lead back, but they know that they have to spell them in order to keep them healthy, and that's what we've seen every year for the last almost five years. Um, size was the only concern when it comes out of college, but when you look at his efficiency and his overall production in college, it was absolutely insane. So For those of you that follow J.J. um he's the host of the Late Round podcast and Late Round fantasy football website. Um, there are only two people in the running back class this year who met his elite metrics so when you look at basically different thresholds from an analytical standpoint at the running back position there are certain thresholds that the players in the nfl over the last 20 years basically since the merger is when he's done so early 2000s um ever since that moment um that have been able to basically hit thresholds for every aspect so that's yards per route run your yards per, um Yards per team pass attempt. Yards per team attempt. Dominator. All those metrics rolled into one is how J.J. Zacharyson does his model. There are only two running backs in this year's class that meet the elite tier where they hit every single category threshold. And I'm going to give you a surprising statement. Neither of those running backs were (laughs) Bijan Robinson. The two that I have mentioned today are those two running backs. Those are Sean Tucker out of Syracuse and Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. Deuce Vaughn out of just a pure production sample has one of the most outrageously dominant production profiles you will ever see from running back. Over the last two years, he put up 3,000 rushing yards with 34 rushing touchdowns on the ground, as well as, and I, again, hear me again, as well as 91 receptions for another 850 yards and another 20 receiving touchdowns. He had a target share of over 15% in his offense, every year in college at Kansas State. And people act like he isn't good. The only reason people are on edge is because they don't know what to do with the size. But guess what? He went ahead of a lot of large, bigger backs. Deuce Vaughn, even being drafted where he was, went ahead of Zach Evans, went ahead of Dwayne McBride, went ahead of Kenny McIntosh, three names that were ranked much higher than him on most people's boards prior to this draft. So this is a name you don't want to pass up. 36 feels pretty right to him. Um, When you come to comp size-wise, you're looking pretty similar to a guy like Philip Lindsay, probably about five to seven pounds lighter than Philip Lindsay, but he's a dominant pass catcher, a dominant weapon. And in this offense that likes to pass the ball to its running backs, he could see a large target share as a rookie. And like I said, as long as they don't add one of Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, or Zeke Elliott back in Dallas, it's wheels go. So getting in on Deuce Vaughn at his current price is probably about right because it has the fantasy floor falling out of him kind of baked in at that value at 36. It's not like he's being drafted in the second round. Um, if he, you know, they, they publicly came out and said, yeah, we're not drafting any other or signing any other running backs. He would be probably a second round pick. Um, if they sign Zeke Elliott, he'd probably go undrafted. So that, that's the thing to consider with him. But again, 36 feels right as a contender. If I can get Deuce Vaughn as the last pick in the third round, I'm pretty amped about that because that's a guy that can come in, like I said, week one, And probably see a couple of targets could easily get you eight to nine points, which is pretty wild from a guy you're getting in the third round. After this, we're going to go ahead and look at the wide receiver position. And the first name of note is a guy that is kind of confusing why he's going where he's at. That's AT Perry in new Orleans. AT Perry was drafted in new Orleans in the fifth round Uh, Sorry, the sixth round, he was drafted in the same block, basically back to back with guys like Trey Palmer, Keyshawn Boutique, Parker Washington. They all went in, I think, 10 picks for wide receivers, but he's a guy in one of the few ones on this list in total that have no true role competition for him to see immediate work on the offense. Even being a fifth round wide receiver, there's pretty much no one on that New Orleans roster that is going to be doing exactly what he would be doing. Um, you know, as a wide receiver, you have Michael Thomas, basically holding down that over the middle short area um, target, uh, kind of range. You have Chris Olave working deep, but then you only have a guy like Rashid Shahid, a rookie out of last year, who didn't really do a lot in front of him. You have Traquan Smith, the guy that everyone tries to hype up. That's been terrible. And then you have James Washington who just recently signed. Not a great outlook for any of those guys. Um, I understand that there is going to be limited targets at any point if you have guys like Alvin Kamara in your roster, um, sorry, in your team passing um, outlook and team passing system. But when you're looking at just pure wide receivers, there's not a lot of wide receivers that were drafted past the second round in this year's draft class that walk in as the number two or three wide receiver. There just isn't. The only ones of note that I can think of are Josh Downs and Michael Wilson. Everyone else is going to have to fight and, you know, claw tooth and nail basically to walk in and be a regular starter drafted in the third round or later. So this is a guy that makes a lot of sense. Size, speed, route, combo. It, it it's just all there for a guy like A.T. Perry. And when you start to look at his last couple of years in college, he's a production profile guy that matches the tape, matches everything that you see. Um, his athleticism score in this one, it's pretty average. It puts him at wide receiver 20 out of the 73 in this year's class. And he puts him in the top third athleticism all time at the wide receiver position, according to pro- player profiler. But when you start to look at his last two years in college at Wake Forest, a very weird offense that basically ran the ball or – just kind of tried to get their receivers the ball as much as possible. I guess it wasn't really an error rate or anything like that, uh, but it was pretty ugly. He still over the last two years put up a hundred and 52 receptions for 2,400 yards <laughs> and a solid 26 receiving touchdowns in this the last two years he went for 1293 yards and 1096 yards um, every year of his collegiate career he went over 13.5 yards per reception his college dominator was pretty solid in general um he was looking basically at a 33 30, a, a 30.3 percentage which is like the 60th percentile and then when you're looking at his target share he saw a 27.3 percent target share um his breakout age was 21 which is kind of late but again working in that Lake force offense and again you're looking at a guy who currently based off of adp on fantasy pros is going as the number 51 overall selection in rookie drafts the wide receiver 17 and he is looking at an immediate role as a wide receiver three in his offense down in new orleans Derek carr has stabilized the quarterback position he can play a true outside role Chris Alave leave Michael Thomas exclusively in the slot. And this offense gets a lot more dangerous, especially when you take note of the fact that they brought in Foster Moreau, which if he sees the field would be great. They still have Juwan Johnson to eat out of the big slot role and move tight end all over the field. So there's a lot of flexibility in this offense, a guy that can see a lot of targets, and he's going undrafted in rookie drafts. You can pick him up as a undrafted free agent in your rookie drafts, and he's a guy that is a priority target for me. Um, fun fact, every wide receiver that I'm going to talk about, which I have three more on this list, are all going undrafted, and we're all drafted as their wide teams, basically wide receiver three or wide receiver four. So these are guys that are going to see roles. They're going to have value at some point. And one of these four most likely will pop off this year to where their value is significantly higher than what it is right now. The second guy on this list, I'm just going to go in order of ADP, is Trey Tucker. He was selected with the 100th overall pick. So you're looking at a guy that was a third round pick right now that is going undrafted at pick 58 in rookie drafts, wide receiver 20 overall behind a guy like A.T. Perry, who went almost, well, no, not almost. He went three rounds later in the draft. Trey Tucker is a guy that has no role competition as well. These are the only two players that don't really have a player on the roster that does what they do as well as them or really at all. Um, he is a deep threat speed and gadget player. He's a little bit on the smaller side, but the thing with Trey Tucker is that I argue that his speed is better, uh, basically equal, if not better than a guy like Tyler Scott. And that was proven when they ran the forties He ran a four, four flat, um, not really daunting size, but you are looking at five nine, one eighty seven. 187 based off of what he rolled in at the combine, which puts him right in that Skymore range. He's basically the same size as a Skymore, but he absolutely flies. You actually go and look at his tape. He's more of a tape than a production guy. Um, He capped out his overall receiving yardage total at 672. Um, His per catch average has been 13, basically flat every season of his career. But his catch rate has been over 65% every year as well. Um, his touchdowns have been okay, but he has been absolutely dominant as well as a special teams returner, specifically on punt coverage. Over the last three years, he has over 1,000 return yards in punt Detail with two receiving, uh, not receiving, returning touchdowns. Um, he, he's been a solid starter for the last three years on this Cincinnati um, offense, and he's seen a lot of different quarterback play, a lot of different that, but he's been consistently catching the ball when given targets, has been consistently doing what he needs to with his yak ability being at 13 or higher every year. And then that return ability makes him basically a locked and loaded piece to be a regular contributor and seeing the field regardless of the. Asset. The also fact that I just want to point out again, he was selected with the hundredth overall pick in this year's draft, and he's currently going undrafted in rookie drafts behind guys like Trey Palmer, guys like Kayshawn Booty, guys like Parker Washington, guys like Elijah Higgins, guys like Andre Isavosis, guys like Demario Douglas. Uh, these are all guys that are have no shot of seeing the field their rookie years. And it's it's just fascinating to me, really, to see how this is all gonna pan out. So Trey Tucker is another target. Um I I just don't understand why he's going as lazy as he is. I'd be picking him up constantly in the fourth round, basically, especially if you're in need of wide receiver. And if you allow receiving yardage in any of your leagues, he's a guy that I would be paying attention to pretty heavily. The next wide receiver on the list is Pukanuka. Um, This is a guy to BYU that was drafted to the Los Angeles Rams. Um, This is a true outside receiver. You're looking at a guy that's 6'2", 210 um and can kind of fly he didn't run as well as you would expect him to at the combine he ran a four five seven but at that size that's serviceable it's still under four six the main issue that you have to look at is that on tape he looks a lot faster than what he ran again not an absolutely game buster but then again you're looking at byu's offense in general here so him putting up Over 40 receptions the last two years, over 600 yards this year, and over 800 yards prior to the year with a combined 11 touchdowns doesn't fly off the tape. But when it comes to the advanced metrics and advanced analytics, he's an analytics darling right now. Um, When it comes to yards per route run, yards per team target, he is in the top three over the last five years for his team. That just leans more into the fact that BYU runs the ball more than pretty much anyone in the country right now. The fact that he was still putting up an insane target share percentage at over 42% over the last two years. So he's a guy that I'm keeping my eyes on, especially due to the fact that his competition in Los Angeles is pretty much non-existent if you really start to look at it. You have Tutu Atwell playing that deep speed guy. And then when it comes to the large targets on the outside, Alan Robinson's gone. So his main competition is Van Jefferson, who has had time and time again to step out of the shadow of the wide receivers. They keep bringing in, but is incapable of doing it. And then Ben Skoranek, who was actually pretty productive last year in spurts, but is just kind of a jack. Um, like I said, he's got the speed and size metrics to really kill it. Um, his pre, he was pretty much a pre-draft hype man that people were expecting him to fall into a decently good spot on a, uh, I don't want to say this on kind of a interesting roster. And so you're looking at a team that is looking for targets in a pass heavy offense as they have always been underneath Sean McVay. So this is a guy, again, going undrafted, wide receiver fifty uh, wide receiver 21 as the 59th overall player, meaning he is going uh, to the, 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 the nine picks after your draft has ended. Typically, there's eight people with priority over him on the waiver wire, according to this, to most of the community. So he's just a guy I would be targeting. Um, the last wide receiver I want to talk about is a guy that, if you've been listening all offseason to the NFL draft, you would know I told you to keep your eye on him. Um, and it was because his physical traits are unique. He is the only guy with the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, freakish athleticism, big boy type of jacked up wide receiver body that we've you know come to know and love. And that is Justin Shorter. Um, he's out of the University of Florida. Um, he's a guy that I told you to keep an eye on, but I wouldn't hype up really big before the draft just because I wanted to see one if he landed in a good spot and two if people really leaned into the athletic traits. Um, He dealt with a ton of injuries, which completely tanked his actual production profile. When you're looking at his time at the university of Florida, but athletically he's number four in this year's class when it comes to athletic metrics, Coming in at 6'3, 225. He's pretty much identical to what Devo is from a physicality standpoint. Ran a 4'5'5 flat. Um, you're looking at 88th percentile speed score, a 92nd percent burst score, um, old time rank. He ranks as wide receiver 56 total out of the over 1000, and uh, he is in the top 25%. Uh, no, sorry, top seventeen percent all time when it comes to athletic score out of the over six thousand players that player profiler has basically put this information into. Um last two years he's gone over fifty. Sorry, over 500 yards this last year. He only caught 29 balls, uh, was injured again, only played in nine games. But those went for almost 20 yards per reception. Um, He is a big boy target on the outside. That is a lot of fun to watch. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, this is going to be a trigger warning for a lot of people out there, but he does remind me quite a bit of Nikhil Harry. It's kind of what you see on tape. It's kind of what you saw in college from a guy like Nikhil Harry, but um, it's, will that translate? The fact that you can... I would just say that the difference between taking Nikhil Harry number one overall and Justin Shorter going undrafted and being a waiver wire guy should not scare you away. There's a chasm in between those two scenarios. So taking a flyer on a guy that is not ultimately the best separator, but is good as a yak receiver has the body type to absolutely bully DBs and can be a dominant big boy target in the red zone, especially when you take into the fact that, we don't know what's going to happen with Gabe Davis in Buffalo. You have Josh Allen as your quarterback. Um, Stephon Diggs' contract is coming up to an end, and you don't really have anyone else that you've drafted in the last two to three years or brought in in free agency that can fill that big outside receiver role. You have a lot of guys that are slot guys. Um, even bringing in a guy like Dalton Kincaid this year, kind of a big slot move tight end, maybe a good outside replacement for Gabe Davis, but that's really the only guy of the last couple of years they've brought in. To really compete on the outside. So he's a guy I'm paying attention to going in the fifth round ahead of a lot of other guys. Like I said, basically everyone I just mentioned, A.T. Perry, all those other wide receivers, a guy that I loved in Xavier Hutchinson, Parker Washington. He went ahead of Dontavian Wicks and just after a guy like Tyler Scott in the fourth round to Chicago. So... He's a guy that I'm paying attention to and a guy that all of you should be picking up, especially if he's going undrafted in your leagues, um, a priority guy. People are just kind of letting him fall through the cracks and forgetting the type of situation he could have in 2024 and the fact that he's probably going to see the field quite a bit in red zone packages as a true rookie. That rounds out the wide receiver position, though, and we are going to transition uh, once again into the tight end position here. So looking at the tight end position, there are two names of note that were drafted, um, we're drafted into interesting situations, and right now are both going as UDFAs. Sorry, uh, one is not. So we'll start with the earlier one that is being drafted in the fourth round. That's Zach Kuntz. Um, he went to the New York Jets, and he's a guy that I told you I loved prior to the NFL draft. Um, he fell a little bit. He ended up going in the seventh round, so quite a bit later, into a team that does have a decently crowded group. But when it comes to athleticism out of the entire group that he has competition in, it's bars Like not even a competition, basically. Um, He's a guy, as a late-round flyer, I kind of like, especially in tight end premiums, just due to the fact that he's competing against CJ Uzoma, who's been very serviceable, Tyler Conklin, who's been very serviceable, two guys that will do what Aaron Rodgers needs them to do well, and then a guy that people were using a flyer based off of production-wise on last year and Jeremy Ruckert at the University of Ohio State. Uh, The difference between him and those three guys is that he is an athletic freak. And when I say athletic freak, I don't use that lightly. I'm literally saying that as of Player Profiler's entire database since they started taking note of rookie combine performances, he is the best and number one highest tight end ranked player from an athletic metric standpoint out of anyone in the NFL since they started doing the stat – Coming in at six foot seven, 255 pounds. He ran a four, five, five. Every single metric that he has in the 40 yard dash speed score, burst score, agility score, catch radius all are 94th percentile or higher. He actually has the highest catch radius out of any player ever in the database. And so I'm talking guys like like Jelani Woods last year that apparently broke the mold. I'm talking guys like Kyle Pitts who apparently broke the mold before that. Zach Koontz is a better athlete than both of those two individuals that everyone was hyping up so high. So the fact that no one's really talking about him, the fact that he's going as late as he is um, currently being drafted as pick number 43 in rookie drafts, So that tail end of the fourth round, pretty wild to me. Um, Tons of upside. There's no worse situation honestly, that he landed into than what we got from guys like Jelani Woods and Chigakwanko last year. So they are athletic freaks, broke the combine a little bit, they fell into kind of a crowded room, had to work itself out. Um, It's better to be free now, basically paying that late fourth for him than to have to pay a second round pick if he goes off like Chigakwanko does and takes over that tight end position, especially due to the fact that he's tied to Aaron Rodgers. So all you have to do is show that you're a reliable target basically to him some reps in with him and if you do he will stick with you um he is without a doubt the most athletic um, tight end that the jets have seen in quite some time and he's the most athletic tight end that aaron Rodgers has seen in some time it's a crowded passing room but he's a guy with some upside that you'll definitely be able to flip for higher than a fourth next year as long as he's on the roster and then the last player i want to talk about is josh wiley um, so this is a guy that is out of Cincinnati as well. Um, teammates with Trey Tucker the entire four years in college, but he's a guy that is walking into a situation that is very similar and eerily similar to the guy that he is currently in competition with, uh, last year, Josh Wiley actually reminds me quite a bit of Austin Hooper, who was on the Tennessee Titans last year. Um, Josh Wiley is a big boy that can move very, very well. Um, he's a great catcher, very fluid. Um, he's an average blocker, but his hands are incredible. He's able to weave in and out of zone coverage specifically very well. Again, when it comes to his overall size, you're looking at a guy that is just a unit, very similar to a guy like Zach Kuntz, where Josh Wiley, also 6'7". He's actually about four or five pounds lighter, so he's a little bit leaner than a guy like Zach Kuntz, so he's sitting at 248. Um, he ranks number 10 athletically in all metric bowls, Um so his Burst and speed score were in the 80th and 81st percentile on these ones. Um, The main difference comes with his agility score, 54th percentile, not very good. Uh, His overall 40-yard dash was only 4.69, which is totally doable. His player comp is Hayden Hurst, but like I said, I liken him a lot to a guy like Austin Hooper. And when you look at his production... Um, just steady Eddie for that team. Basically the only Cincinnati tight end in a true pro end system that saw over 20 receptions at any point in the last four years was Josh Wiley, very consistent red zone threat, six touchdowns in 2020 and 2021 only three this last year after the quarterback went downhill a little bit and his game total went down to 11 as opposed to the 14 the prior year. So you're looking at a guy who's a big boy target and he's currently going, like I said, as an undrafted player he's going as the 61st overall player tight end 11 and i like there there aren't even the thing that's killing me about this is that there aren't even 11 total um tight ends that were drafted before josh wiley josh wiley was the 10th overall tight end and there are other guys going ahead of him um currently in adp you're looking at Payne durham in tampa bay and uh brenton strange both going higher than him People taking Brenton Strange don't understand the fact that Brenton Strange does not catch the ball. Brenton Strange is a blocker. So it's like burning a pick on Nick Boyle for the Baltimore Ravens a couple of years ago. People were like, well, he sees the field. He might see some targets. It's like, no, he's 100% just an extra offensive lineman. So it's pretty wild to me that a guy who's going into Tennessee who is decently athletic, who is a massive, massive target, and on a team that needs targets and always plays two tight end systems. They play the 12 personnel more than almost anyone in the league in Tennessee. They constantly have it. They're very similar to Baltimore, very similar to San Francisco. So when you're looking at this, they have Trelon Burks and Chikakwankwilk on that team right now. Um, Kyle Phillips is still there. They have Nick Westbrook-Akina, but there, there's still a lot of question marks overall when it comes to pass catchers in Tennessee. Um, you can say that they brought in Colton Dow in Tennessee, but that doesn't help you a ton. So you're looking at this offense, you have to throw the ball at least 40% of the time. That's like pretty much the bare covered minimum when you're looking at teams, even when they lead the league in rushing attempts. So when I'm looking at a guy like Josh Wiley, who went in the fifth round, he's currently going undrafted in rookie drafts, even five round rookie drafts is tied in 11. Sign me up priority free agent for all these guys but that pretty much wraps up the list um a solid 35 minute episode here for you all but as a recap um all the players i'll go in order basically for you on my priority in superflex Titan tight end premium this is the order i would be going clayton toon deuce vaughn josh wiley justin shorter at perry trey tucker puka nakua Zach Koontz. In that order. So those seven players are the ones I would be targeting. Um, there's just so much upside in this group late that they're being drafted behind guys that like I guarantee people did not know who they were prior to the NFL draft. So hopefully I gave you a little bit of insight on these guys that you weren't really comfortable with, gave you a little bit of uh, you know a head start on the targets you should be targeting. And we're going to pay attention to these seven guys throughout the overall off season and their rookie seasons as my penny stocks take note of what their ADP is at this point of the year. And then we're going to touch base next off season just to see how we hit on the penny stocks to see if you ended up burning the pick, whether or not you really care if you burned that free agent acquisition and or pick, if they're still on your taxi, et cetera. Um, as always, this has been the rookie rundown until next week. Keep on hunting the rookies guys okay it is in the thick of the season and i can't wait to keep talking about this for the next couple months peace out when we add up all those inches that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing we won a game yesterday We win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.